I see with my own naked eye. I gotta cut the cord and fall away. That instinct I can justify. And on, please. Dumois has the whole story. Did, did you it? hear what Dumois, Dumois said? Dumois. Who is it? Oh, can you believe this blind item? Dumois was on that story a long time Sunday ago. Sunday mean celeb sightings with Dumois. I just DM'd Dumois. I cannot believe what I just read about I on Dumois. I need more. I need to hear more. Hello, and welcome to Do You, the show where you'll hear all the latest in celeb gossip and special exclusives that are not shared on my Instagram or anywhere else. I'll be your guide into the world of celeb news, sightings, and secrets. I will be giving you all of the information I have on your favorite topics every week. This week, we're talking about Renee Rapp, Taylor Swift, Justin Bieber, Jeremy Allen White, Rami Malek, Haley Lou Richardson and Evan Peters, Jonah Hill, Sebastian Stan and Annabelle Wallace, Billie Eilish and Jesse Rutherford and more. We're discussing all of this with Enti of the famous Crazy Days and Nights website. Let's get started. Before we dive into the latest celebrity intel, let's talk about a different kind of drama, the kind that involves our furry co-stars, our pets. I wanted to share a message from our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, who is here to help with unexpected veterinary bills. What's that? Well, with Spot Pet Insurance, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills. You you would need that. Yeah. Saving up to 90% on vet bills sounds fantastic. (laughs) It sure is. And get this. Spot pet insurance plans cover not only unexpected accidents and illnesses, but also offers an optional preventative care benefit. It can help with the cost of routine wellness, vaccines, and more. Is it pricey? Probably less expensive than a surprise $1,800 vet bill, and you know what that's like. It's not pretty. Just head over to spotpet.com for a free quote. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance, waiting periods, annual deductibles, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com forward slash sample dash policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence, American Insurance Company, or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Here on Do You, we do not like misleading info. That's why I do my best to be transparent with the most up-to-date intel on all of your favorite celebs. You can trust that I will never intentionally dupe you. Sadly, in life, we do have to deal with a lot of sneaky terms, annoying bill hikes, and exorbitant fees that we did not anticipate. We call that yada yada. Here on Do You, we do not like yada yada. Now, you could spend all of your time combing through contracts, or you could just skip the hassle and go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile, helping you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada. Never settle for less. I know I never do. And now that I don't have to worry about sneaky yada yada, I have time to dedicate my time to making the best content for you guys. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. (laughs) 
Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today's guest is the one, the only, the OG Mastro of blind items, the Beethoven of blind items, if you will, NT, entertainment lawyer of crazydaysandnights.net website. Welcome. Thank you for having me once again, Do I'd have you every week if I could, but I don't like to get stingy and ask ask you to come on so much because I know you're busy like in court and out there just like signing contracts and defending the law. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get right. <laughs> let's get right into it. We have like a couple of topics that we just need to get through and then you gave me the green light to ask my followers what they wanted to ask you. And that's so helpful to me because everyone sends me your blind items and they're like, is this true? What is this about? What does he mean? And I'm like, guys, I don't know. Like we get completely different intel. You know, that's what I tell them. I'm like, we get completely different intel. Like I don't know what some of your blind items like are even derived from. It's like things that I've never heard. So you were gracious enough to say, yes, you can throw up a Q&A. We'll try to get some of those questions. Let's just power through some of these um, items. The first thing we're going to talk about is Taylor Swift. Ferris, yes. take it away. Okay. So the first thing we're going to talk about is her message to the fans at a concert that she just recently had. And um, she said, quote, I'm not putting this album out so that you should feel the need to defend me on the Internet against someone you think I might have written a song about 14 billion years ago when I was 19. I do not care. We've all grown up. We're good. And she gave this little speech right before she played Dear John. And obviously, everyone thinks that Dear John is about John Mayer. Somebody messaged me and they said, I have it on good authority that the speech Taylor gave before she sang Dear John at a recent concert was heavily encouraged by John's manager, Irving Azoff. This is one of the most powerful men in music. So you know what I mean by encouraged. Maybe forced is a better word. Notice how Taylor didn't defend John or say that everything that happened was okay and just a young romance bad breakup. But rather, I don't care about anything that happened to me when I was 19. Acknowledging that things did happen to her in that relationship that she is purposefully not saying were okay to please John's team while also keeping her integrity. I have more info on this topic if you want to hear. I think there could be an outpouring of stories from others if you do post. Um, so that was the message. I'm just reading a message. I, ha I feel like I have to say this. I'm not like defending John Mayer or not defending John Mayer. I'm just, I thought this message was interesting. Did you hear anything about, you know, the message afterwards? Here's the deal is that the song is, okay. Taylor Swift is the queen of blind items when it comes to her songs and she makes them very vague and ambiguous on purpose. However, one of the things that John Mayer was not going to stand for for a long time, because we knew that this, you know, Taylor's version was going to come out, is that if you start having death threats and things like that from Taylor's fans to John Mayer, and even when she said, oh, you know, don't go after anybody who you think this song is about, um, everybody still did. And the thing is, if it starts actually impacting John Mayer, like if he does get death threats and things like that, what you're going to find is you're not going to find him not saying anything like last time. You are going to find him suing her. And that is why 
she is doing this because the song is not about him and but she's never corrected the record she's never said it's about him and like she said in her little speech she said who you think this song is about and because if if somebody goes and says death threats or let's say they call in some threat to some john mayer concert and he has to cancel it so that's costing a whole bunch of money and stuff like that so you can't have this running rampant thing like you did before. It's one thing to just speculate and all that kind of stuff like everybody does on blind items, but it's when it takes another turn where it's costing him money, it's costing him livelihood, it's costing something to his reputation, whatever, that she's not going to be able to prove. And that's what this is all about, is that I she is fully aware of the fact that there will be no games played this time. Got it. Okay, that makes so much more sense. Thanks for, you know, spelling it out. That makes a lot of sense. And I agree with you that the song is not about John Mayer. I'm sure a lot of Swifties would argue that point with us, but I don't think it's about him either. I mean, I, I'm on record as saying who I think it's about, and I spent, you know, an entire podcast episode talking about who it's about, and um, I am under the firm 100% impression that it's about Martin Johnson, and... Um, I think that just because somebody titles something Dear John, I mean, that's what if you broke up with somebody back in the day, it was a Dear John letter. Yeah. So, you know, just because John Mayer or whatever, it just it's a blind item. And the idea with blind items is to have people talk about it, to have people guess and things like that. And Taylor is very, very good about making like that. One of the things about blind items is you, you can make blind items so vague and so ambiguous or whatever, but there's no fun to that because it just can be a million different people. So, you know, and people look for clues and her Easter eggs and things like that. And she's very, very good at that. And, and, you know, the Olivia Rodrigo has taken that same kind of thing. And, you know, her new song, you're like, God, is it about, you know, Joshua Bassett is about, you know, Adam yep. Faze is about whoever, you know, it's the same kind of thing. She has learned that lesson. She and Taylor might not be friends, but she has learned that lesson. And gosh, we can get people talking about it. And, and it makes what it does in this is the world of streams where you get however a fraction of a penny from each stream. People go, let me listen to it again. Let me listen to it again. Let me listen to it again. The same way that they would read one of your blind items over and over again. Let me see this clue, this clue or whatever. And every time somebody's listening to it, it's more money in her pocket. Right. Now tell everyone where they can listen to the in-depth podcast episode that you just referred to that you put out about who Dear John is about. God, I don't know the episode number. Um, but on your I, Patreon? I, it's on Patreon, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I just wanted to, you know, direct them in the right place because I do think it is very interesting and I do agree with you. I've heard that name too. I don't know who that is. Is that, Was that just like an older like musician that worked with her at one point? I'm totally feel unprepared. But the thing is, back in the day, Martin Johnson and Taylor Swift had a relationship, which... Taylor's mom has said, oh, this one song's about Martin Johnson or whatever, and it wasn't because the time's not right. However, back in the day, Martin Johnson and Taylor Swift wrote three or four songs together. Um, a couple were like for Hannah Montana. They won't run for like a movie theme or something like that. And he was in, in a band, and she used to wear his T-shirts of the band all the time. And they were together, but the problem was is that he had like substance abuse problems and had drinking problems and things like that. And it wasn't what you wanted the 19, 20-year-old you know, Taylor Swift, who was coming around, you didn't want her to be with some guy who was going to be in and out of rehab for the next few years. Yes, that is that is who I heard as well. Um, okay, Ferris, what's the next Taylor 
topic, a quick mm-hmm. one. This is pertaining to the Daily Mail article that was touching upon her whole selling the masters issue. So um, there was some doubt around it. She was claiming she wasn't given the chance to buy her masters, but Daily Mail reported from sources that she was actually offered to buy them more than once. Okay, so b- since this article came out, I believe last week, this topic has been coming up. So someone messaged me and they said, Taylor Swift fans are going to hate me for this, but can confirm she knew about the purchase of her records in advance and even told a mutual friend of hers and Scooters that with it being peak Me Too, she could create a narrative to have it sound like anti-feminism. Somebody else messaged me and said, in regards to this Daily Mail article, Um, There's more to come from here. What I'm hearing as far as her knowledge slash involvement in the sale or at least her dad's part in it for what it's worth. What have you heard about this? Well, we need to go back in time. Okay. To go back to, say, 2005-ish. And in 2005, Taylor gets signed to Big Machine Records. And this is before, you know, debut album Taylor Swift. And that was in 2006. But what dad did in 2005 was he bought a 3% stake in big machine records. And I think he paid like $300,000 for it. Uh, so fast forward to the time when the masters are going to be sold. The guy owns 3% of the company. Everybody knew that the masters are going to be sold. And what you had was you had, um, you get everybody from big machine. They say, here's a board of directors, meaning everybody who's owned and who's an owner or whatever, we need to have a conference call because there is somebody who wants to buy um, the masters. Here's how much it's going to be, how much they're willing to pay, all this kind of stuff. So Taylor's dad knows that this phone call is going to happen because he owns 3% of the company. And he knows that if he gets on the call, there's going to be a non-disclosure agreement that he has to sign. So he's going to get on the call. He's going to find out who the buyer is, how much money is going to be at stake, but he's not going to be able to tell Taylor or talk to Taylor about it at all. So he chooses to not get on that phone call. However, he knew what the phone call was about, and he knew that it was going to be up at the sale, and he ended up netting like $15 million from it. Right. So the fact that Taylor says she was blindsided or whatever is just so much BS because of the fact that everybody knew it was coming. Her dad knew it was coming. He knew not to take that phone call. He knew that he could not be on that conference call because he wouldn't be able to talk to Taylor about it. And so that way, there's also this deniability. Oh, we didn't know exactly, whatever. You know, you have to go back and look at the words and stuff. But nobody was blindsided. Maybe blindsided on who was going to buy it. Mm-hmm. Okay. But definitely not that they were for sale. Probably there was a general dollar amount figure that everybody kind of knew. Uh, so one of the things that's happened over the last two months or so has been this kind of chips in the facade of Taylor, whether it's Maddie Healy, whether it's finding out about dad making all this money from the sale or the FTX thing where Taylor's like, no, I was never going to sign with FTX. I didn't want any part of this crypto thing. None of this, none of this. No, I wouldn't do that to you guys, blah, blah, blah. But it turns out that it was actually FTX that decided at the last minute, we don't want Taylor to be a part of it. So, you know, it's just all these little things that, it's it's things that are kind of putting chips into the brand at the whole t- at the whole thing we've got going on with the with the heiress tour where she's clearing 13 million bucks a night. And, you know, it just 
it kind of upsets the whole Taylor brand. If you No, know. I get it. I totally get it. I was eager to hear what you had to say on that because I know, you know, you're a lawyer. So <laughs> you know a lot about like the legalities um, that go into like these sales and these contracts. Um, so that, yeah, that makes sense. And it certainly would put a crimp in the narrative that she's painted in the past. The Daily Mail article came out. A couple people messaged me about it. And then it kind of went away. Yeah, because here's the thing. Nobody who's a big Taylor Swift fan, they they just kind of let it all go. Because they just, hey, I just want to listen to the music. I just want to do this. And and here, Taylor Swift is performing 44 songs a night or whatever when she's on these shows. It's just Taylor Swift is a hard worker. She's everything. But the problem is that sometimes the brand doesn't necessarily jive with reality and also the brand doesn't it doesn't have any kind of room for like personality or for yeah because her whole thing is hey i'm a victim all these guys broke up with me these are what all my songs are about kind of thing you know i was a victim i didn't know that scooter braun my arch enemy i didn't know the masters were going to be sold you know yes you did know but nobody's going to call you out on it because we enjoy your music too much and we don't want to be seen as being disloyal to Taylor. And so we just ignore that or, you know, things like whether or not you think that Maddie Healy is just being some kind of, you know, kind of performance artist or something like that with the things that he said and, you know, ghetto gaggers and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, it goes totally against everything with the Taylor Swift brand and people who are super fans of Taylor Swift. They go, if there was ever somebody some guy who they were dating or something and did all this. Oh my God, I'd break up with him in a second. Right. Oh, that's horrible. I would never be with him. But with Taylor, it's like, well, you know, it's okay. Cause it's Taylor and just making excuses in their own mind for something they wouldn't put up with in their own life. But because it's Taylor, they just kind of say, oh, you know, I'm willing to forgive her. And it's been five years since I got to see her in concert and I'm going to do it anyway. Well, that goes back to the whole parasocial relationship that these people have with her, that she kind of created herself. It's like she created this own beast machine herself. You know, I'm glad you brought up parasocial because that's something that I've really tried to focus on lately over the last few weeks. And I'm trying to figure out how to put like a whole episode together, because if you think about like a Colleen Ballinger kind of thing, it's Mm -hmm. also this parasocial relationship where it's it's a bizarre kind of relationship that you have with your fans and they're willing the fans are just willing to overlook everything that's staring at them right in the face and just ignoring it just because uh, they think that because of this social media thing where you're interacting with your hero your idol this celebrity that you feel special and it's not, not something that occurred prior to social media even and definitely didn't occur, say, like 25 years ago. If you liked some band or something like that, you might join their fan club or right. you might go see them. But you had no way to interact with them at all unless you met them. Right. But with this, with social media, you feel like you are part of them. Just look at every day you get something, right? And it's just like, hey, babe, look. Da, da, da. And so they feel like they have this relationship with you, do. They and- do, auntie. Yeah. What I'm saying no, is No, they like- do. I I know I know exactly. Listen, I'm on both sides of it because like I do feel like some of these people that I've been talking to for the past 3 years are my friends. Like look at me and you. Like I feel like we're friends and we've never even met or seen with e- what each other looks like, you know? It, it's just it social media think makes things really really weird. It blurs the lines and that's where I think when you're a fan 
and it happens like in fandoms, it becomes dangerous. Do you know what it I does. mean? I do, and it's my fault that we haven't met because we did have a chance to meet. We and did. I was unable to. I was you, unable to. You ghosted to. me. I did not ghost you. I just we didn't have a chance. You were very busy that week, and it ended up just having like one day or whatever they could have. But I mean, but that's the thing is that people feel they're invested in these relationships with people with celebrities and stuff. And if a celebrity like replies to them, they go, oh, my goodness. Or, you know, the case like Colleen Ballinger, where, you know, she has her fans being her social media people and stuff like that. And it's just a weird kind of dynamic that we've never really seen before with celebrities and their fans. Yes. Well, that's a good segue into my next um, mini topic. It's about Jeremy Allen White. I talked about his split from his wife on last week's podcast episode, and I didn't know because, you know, rumors circulated about both of them cheating, and I didn't know who cheated first, and I posted it, and I made a little video about it, and people were upset. They were like, oh, bummer. Like, is he a cheater? You know, I'm, I'm so upset to hear this. I really love him. You know, I loved him in Shameless. I love him in The Bear. He's so hot. Well, I'm here to tell you guys I made a mistake and I should have checked my notes because I think I knew this last week, but somebody wrote in um, after the episode aired and said, can confirm Addison was cheating on Jeremy for most of 2022. It was with someone I was working with at the time. And that person is Cooper Rafe. What's his name, Ferris? Rafe? Cooper. Cooper Rafe. R-A-I-F, right? Yes. That is discussed in last week's podcast episode if you guys want to hear more about that. But let me ask you, Enti, what did you hear about Jeremy and Addison's relationship? Same thing? I she mean, cheated? I th- I, yeah, I mean, I think that he cheated on her. I mean, he cheated on her with, he cheated on a girlfriend with Addison. And the whole, um, and then Addison and he got together. But don't forget, like, they had this, this strange relationship where they were together, not together, together, not together for years and years and years. And I think that there was always a lot of blurring of the lines. And I think whatever relationship he was in, if if Addison was around, they hooked up. Whatever relationship she was in, if he was around, they hooked up. So I think it's always been this kind of not necessarily a monogamous kind of relationship. I don't want to call it an open relationship, but I think that there was cheating on both sides. And when I hear things like, oh, Jeremy Allen White and Selena Gomez, that would, that'd be, that would be the worst coupling in the history of the world. No, can I just tell you that somebody sent in a blind item and I posted it in my weekly blind item roundup that I do every week with a million and one fucking disclaimers being like, some of this sh- is bullshit. It's like for entertainment purposes. Very similar to the disclaimer that you have on your website that people choose to ignore. And, you know, I've I've went back and forth like should I stop doing this segment because people take every blind item that's posted in this segment as fact and there's even been like you know articles and like headlines about some of these blind items and this is one of them and I even said it's not true and people are still asking me about it and still want to believe it now I don't know if it even originated on my account I'm just assuming it did from this blind item but was it something that you were hearing as well? Or did you hear it kind of like in the past week or so? Because I posted the blind item like two weeks ago. No, I mean, I think it was just came through you and everything like that. But that's one of the things with blind items also. And I've, I noticed like you got a lot of flack for something like Brittany and writing the book or something like that. And I was just like, okay, look, people, if 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 you write something that people like, oh, yeah, totally. I, I'm a stand and look, she's supporting it. 
And then, oh, you know, it's something that I don't, I don't agree with, you know, and he's a hack, you know, and it's just like, you just, you know, it just depends on, on the person and on the subject and whether or not you're making some kind of narrative, you know, support them. And all of a sudden, yeah, you know, they're always right. And then, oh, this is, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're always wrong, you know, it's like love, hate relationships. But you know, as well as I, I mean, if you get, like something like a Jeremy Allen White, somebody's just like, oh, let me see if I can post it and see if it'll happen. And then to, to have headlines and stuff. And I know it's you know, ridiculous. It is. And and the thing is, people are always trying to push some kind of thing. Um, you know, it's I think most of it, you know, like with Chris Evans or whatever is probably where I see it the most. Um, where it's just like people have an agenda or Keanu Reeves and Alexander Grant or something like that, where just people want it to be a certain way and they will write anything and then you'll see things like um like ezra miller or whatever you know ezra's an awful human being and somebody will say oh this is all lies and they're just getting it straight from this and this and this and i'm thinking to myself no i didn't get anything from that particular person or that particular situation or anything like that and i don't know it just people just assume that we're just getting fed stuff from people who have an anti-agenda to whatever they want. And, yes, and that's just that, not it, the way that it is happens. true. And it's like so ridiculous. And I love when people also tell me that like I'm posting something from like Tumblr or like a fan account when like, you know, I know where the information comes from, just like you do. And I know who's telling me certain things. Now, the Britney thing that you just brought up is because her book was announced that it's going to be released October, I think, 20 something. 24th I never said it wasn't going to be released I said it was delayed and I said that it wasn't written because when I was speaking to the person who had insider intel about it that's what they told me and there was a lot of trouble behind it the book is shortened do you know what I mean like it's not like what I'm saying is bullshit no and here's the thing is like what you were getting a lot of flack for which is not fair at all because they're like, oh, Britney wrote the book. Britney did not write the book. Yeah, are they, friends, are they stupid? Who the fuck said that? Friends. Who said Britney wrote the book? Like, are they dumb? Because they said, oh, you know, she was talking about on Instagram and how she was having these. Look, Sam Lansky, who's been a friend of mine for over a decade, he's the one who wrote the book. And, you know, and, and Sam, he's a guy who had substance abuse issues and he wrote a book about it and it got optioned, I think, into a movie or TV show. I can't remember now. And he's the one who wrote it. And he used to be the culture editor at Time Magazine for a long time. He's a very, very good writer. And I'm sure that he sat down with Brittany and heard a whole lot of things and was writing them all down and probably had enough for six or 700 pages. And then everybody starts going through it and goes, okay, well, this timeline doesn't make any sense. This doesn't make any sense. Brittany doesn't remember this part or this part. And then it gets down to 330 or 340 pages. And they go, no, we still got to reduce more. So now it's down to 288. And, you know, and... I think people are going to be kind of disappointed in this book, not in the writing, because Sam is an excellent writer. But it's going to be things like, let me tell you about my time with Justin. You know, let me spend 30 or 40 pages talking about that. Let me talk about 20 pages of, you know, Mickey Mouse Club. It's not, let me talk about the conservatorship. It's, It's not going to be this, you know, jaw dropping kind of thing. It's going to be a very sanitized, very non you know go after people kind of situation because again there's still litigation going on and things like that there's only so much that she's going to be allowed to say and the other thing that's really important in all this is 
when you have a book that's written by somebody, like a tell-all or something, let's say, let's go back to the Jessica Simpson book. She goes out on tour and she talks about it. She makes phone calls, you know, to local shows. She goes on, you know, Good Morning America. She goes on all the talk shows or whatever. Brittany can't do any of that. So mm -hmm. it, it's going to be a really interesting to have somebody promote a book who is not going to go out and talk about the book. Right. It'll still sell like hotcakes. Oh, sure. it'll st it'll, yeah. it'll still, it will sell great. I just think that everybody needs to kind of lower their expectations about what they think they're going to see in this book. And I also think like the people on Twitter who were giving me shit need to shut the fuck up because they have no idea what they're talking about. First of all, they make it seem like I'm against Britney. I've never been against Britney. If you listen to any of my podcast episodes about Britney Spears, there's never been anything from my mouth that has been negative. It's only been, you know, what people have told me about her situation. If people perceive that as negative, it's because it is. She's going through a shitty situation. And that's that's the reality of the situation. I keep saying situation, but um, do you know what I'm saying? It like really pisses yeah. me off when they try to say, oh, I, you know, I talk badly about Britney or I'm against Britney. Like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I'm like the biggest Britney Spears fan. And it pisses me off so bad. I think a lot of it right now is that there's a lot of clout chasing by being a Britney account. So Ugh, they need to like know, how, like sh like when were you even around? I can't get into it. I'll go into a, off a whole tangent about it. Let's move on. I did not even want to talk about the Britney Spears book, but you brought it up, and I saw some tweets today, and it, I just like had to say my piece. I know, um, but I was there to defend you. Oh, I didn't see because I think I probably blocked people. No, I mean so. right now. Oh, right now. oh yeah. Well, you did tell us who's writing it. So there you go. Everyone's saying that I'm making up that she didn't write the book. There you go. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, Two Doors Cinema Club, Whitney Cummings, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. Okay, let's talk about Rami Malek. Have you heard anything going on with him and Lucy? Somebody sent me a sighting on July 1st, and it was, they were in the UK. Okay, well, he's not with Lucy. He's not with Lucy. Okay, so this person overheard him speaking to his dinner mate, um, who seemed platonic, but overheard the conversation and it sounded like he was talking about a breakup with Lucy, but I couldn't confirm as he never named names. So you're saying they broke up. Yeah. You know, and here's the thing is that he's got, um, obviously he's got the, the new movie coming out and everything like that. So it's, what is her name? Her name is, I want to say, cause he's got Oppenheimer coming out and everything. And it's a woman by Emma. Emma? Uh, oh, Emma, Emma, Corrin. Emma. Corrin. Emma. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and so Lucy's free. Um, Lucy's free. And now it's, it's up to Emma to carry on while he promotes Oppenheimer and stuff like that. And, uh, so yeah, I think we'll see Emma Corrin for a while now. 
Okay. Um, quickly, I want to talk about Haley Lou Richardson and Evan Peters. They were seen canoodling at this year's Golden Globes. I had a sighting of them in March at Lily's in Malibu. Someone messaged me this week and said, Haley Lou and Evan Peters are over. It was short-lived. So I just yeah. wanted everyone to know about that. It was a short-lived fling. They're over. People keep asking me, so that's Yeah, I mean, I think that that's been over for a while. Like, I want to say since, like, Memorial Day or something like that. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Memorial Day was the end of May. It's now July. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay, Lewis Hamilton and Shakira. She no was <laughs> She was back no at Formula. Stop, stop. No, just let's not even go. It's, you know, just stop. Just stop. Wait, let me just read my message. Okay, she was back at Formula One um, in Silverstone, and then somebody messaged me and said, Hi, do. I'm back with more Formula One. Um, someone I know works in hospitality, and I asked for any Shakira Lewis sightings. Um, my friend saw them both, but unfortunately not at the same time. Shakira during the race, and Lewis was out afterwards I asked if there was any talk about them together and this is what she said I asked a youngish girl who works for the team and she just laughed and asked if I wanted her to lose her job if they are together let's just say I'd be pissed if I were Shakira bloke was not acting like he was taken so no chance not no in a chance million years, okay you guys not right, in a not million in, years. oh not in a million years I, lo- I, lo- I love you putting like the strong empty hammer on that one not in a million years okay it was in People Not- Magazine. What do you have to say about that? Because they, I always love to say they dot their I's and cross their T's. They what do. do you have to- and and so they, they say in early stages of dating or some kind right. of nonsense like that. You know, and my favorite thing, and I, I don't know if you have this on any of your merch or whatever, but if I was ever going to do merch, I'd have something that says it's early days. Um, <laughs> That's cute. I like that a lot. So if you do do that one, I want a little piece of that one. It's early days. Okay. Um, you can do a collab, auntie. Oh, my God. We should totally do a merch collab. Yeah. It's, it's early days. Um, yeah. So here's the thing. It, it doesn't hurt Shakira to be associated with Lewis Hamilton and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he's trying to get a new contract and stuff because his team's not doing very well. I think that Formula One gossip is actually like really, really a good thing to be involved in. I always get asked about it constantly. Yes. Um, I think that a lot of people like it. And for whatever reason, um, maybe because the guys are so much better looking or I say that and there's gonna be a whole bunch of NASCAR or whatever. But but the thing is, is that um, because maybe there's fewer of them. That's how I should put it rather than NASCAR and stuff. It just feels like everybody's really into Formula One gossip and this kind of, oh, you know, the whole wag kind of culture. Everybody really likes Formula One gossip. There is nothing wrong with Shakira, who is trying to rehabilitate her image, who's trying to stay out of jail. Um and Lewis Hamilton, who's pretty much always open for any kind of pretend relationship, mm-hmm. uh, that's fine. But it's it's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to be anything. It's fine. You know, Shakira can be at the British Grand Prix. She could be at the next one, whatever. They could be at 30 Grand Prix together. You could see them holding hands. And I will tell you million times they are not together. Okay. Well, you heard it here. <laughs> you, heard, you heard it here first. Um, okay, let's quickly talk about Jonah Hill before we get into the Q&A. Um, obviously, everyone's talking about Jonah Hill. His ex-girlfriend, Sarah Brady, took to Instagram last week and posted some text messages, you know, that painted a picture of him being very manipulative um, and very insecure. 
Um, I've spoken a lot about Jonah Hill, but since these text messages have surfaced, people have messaged me basically more about his character. And this person says, can confirm Jonah is a fucking piece of shit. Several of us wanted to leave a film he was on because he was such a pretentious asshole. Zero talent, unprofessional, and demanding as fuck. Um, I asked them which film. They said it was You People. They also said the same situation happened on Don't Look Up, um, but it was worse on You People because he had a major role. Someone says, with all the Jonah Hill news, time to share mine. Years ago, a friend of mine worked on Wolf of Wall Street and entered his trailer when they found him screaming on the phone to his manager or agent about a flower arrangement in his trailer. I guess he wasn't a fan of the flowers. He ended the conversation with, Mom, Mom, don't let it happen. (laughs) Don't let it happen again. He was like yelling at his mom. Um, Someone else says, uh, Jonah Hill, I want everyone to know that there should be no justice for such a trash human being treats workers on set like dirt not personable at all rolled eyes when a pa had a stop to take instructions on a walkie talkie when he was being led to set and this person says like why dude um he is also more likely to take instructions from someone he finds attractive he likes blondes no need to be this pretentious now that was from the vault like that was something that someone sent me years ago um someone else says This is in total contrast. Jonah Hill is not like his usual annoying childish on-screen character. He's relatively reserved, calm, and collected. Classic professional. So that was some praise for Jonah. Um, I did get a chance to see some of Jonah's side to the Sarah Brady situation. It does paint a little bit of a different picture than, you know, what she posted But I will say I'm not defending him at all. Sounds like he's a huge piece of shit, which is really disappointing because I'm a huge fan of his movies. But what do you what have you heard about? I mean, this none of this is like news to people that are in the in the industry, I'm sure, about Jonah Hill. Yeah. You know, look, the stuff with, you know, his ex-girlfriend and stuff and the boundaries and all those kind of things. You know, I, I don't feel qualified to say what he's doing and manipulating. It sounds like he's been being manipulative and then she's like coming after him after it's been a while. Here's the thing is going back in time to when he filmed Moneyball with Brad Pitt. Right. So they have this relationship and Jonah's going to be filming a movie or something in New Orleans. It says, hey, Brad, can I use your house? And Brad goes, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Go ahead. Um whatever however long you want and stuff and so then jonah ends up trashing the house like really really badly and doesn't bother to clean it up doesn't bother to fix it or whatever just burns that bridge jay Bearshell said you know in the movie like where it looks like i hate jonah hill i really do because i really hate jonah hill <laughs> um and it's just like every single time that i've ever heard a jonah hill story it always ends up that he is just being a jerk and an a-hole and all this kind of stuff So it wouldn't surprise me that in his relationships with women that that carries over and that, hey, I'm the big star and what are you doing? And you need to dress exactly like me. That's the one thing when I look at these pictures of he and his ex where they're always matching. And I'm like, what is this about? You know, (laughs) it's bizarre. Are you are you Justin and Brittany like from 20 years ago or something it just it really kind of freaked me out when and somebody's like putting them all together. Go, You guys, this is strange. 
Um, but yeah, my my experience with Jonah Hill is just that I've never heard a positive story about him, about any kind of filming or anything like that. I mean, look, Seth Rogen doesn't even stand up for him or anything. Nobody stands up for Jonah Hill because he would never stand up for them. Right. I mean, I just wanted to say, this is Farris, I just wanted to say, I watched his Netflix documentary, Stuts. I don't know if either of you saw I it. Not, I have not seen it. NT, have you seen no. it? No, I have not. And it's so interesting. It's all about his mental health journey, and it's him, and he's basically interviewing but it's that his same therapist, right? Therapist. It's the same therapist. Yes. It's the same one. Yes. And, and that was what was so bizarre. It's like, obviously, you have this relationship with this therapist, and you're you know kissing your therapist's butt. And so then you're going into this couples therapy, but we already know that the therapist is going to probably be on your side. Right. And He's it doesn't seem like years. very fair therapy. Right. So. It's yeah, exactly. And it's and it's disappointing. I'm, I'm a huge Jonah Hill fan, too. And just to see him publicly work on his mental health and all of that. And then we read stories about this and accounts of this. It's just disappointing. I don't have any problems with Jonah Hill separating the person from the stuff. It's not like me with Tom Cruise or something. I don't have a problem separating it. I can watch Jonah Hill movies and I can be entertained and I don't need to really care about what he's doing because I already know he's a jerk and I've determined, you know what, I'm still willing to watch this. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's interesting that you know, in the, the kissing scene that he had in the most recent movie or whatever, where it had to be CGI because she didn't want to kiss him. So, and everybody can say, oh yeah, it was a COVID thing. It wasn't a COVID thing. He just, she didn't want to kiss him. Uh, I've never heard of a CGI kiss like that ever. Yeah. With Lindsay Lohan did a CGI kiss in her Netflix movie. Did she? There you go. Yeah. Okay. But that was more because she was respecting her husband's um, religion or their religion, um, or, or you know, beliefs that he has. That's why it was a CGI kiss. Yeah. Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> Respect. And <I> Jonah <laughs> Hill. <laughs> Lindsay Lohan and Jonah Hill. Um, okay. Let's get into the Q&A. This is NT-specific. Um, okay. Somebody. First of all, somebody <laughs> I have to read this just because of what we were talking about. Somebody says, fuck this liar. That's See? There you go. Because I probably wrote something about somebody that they like, and I wrote something that they Angelina didn't like. Jolie. It's an Angelina Jolie fan account. But wow. I like Angelina Jolie. So what okay, do they so hate? I don't know. <laughs> fuck this liar. I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, I'm going to tell this fan account that you... I read your I read their question or their comment and you want to know um, why they're mad at you. And I'll get back to you on that. Um, OK, <laughs> next question is, does he write all his own blinds? Unless it says reader blind or unless I say something like if it's something like it's really long and detailed about somebody, some had some fan interaction or something like that, where it's just like, OK, it's a long and detailed story and I don't feel like changing it. So I just make something blind. But I say, look, I'm keeping it in the tipsters own words. I'm just changing some things to make it blind. Or if I say reader blind, then yeah, everything else I write. Okay. Um, this person says, fire emoji, been reading and loving Crazy Days and Nights for 10 years. Heart emoji. Um, I felt like I needed to read that since I said. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> um, okay. This person wants to know, why is NT so adamant that Sebastian Stan and Annabelle Wallace are PR? I think for the most part, and honestly, it comes from... Um, 
somebody that I've known for a long time who's really invested in Sebastian Stan and like just really analyzes him. And so I know who they are and I know their agenda and I know that they come to it from, but Annabelle Wallace is somebody who is known for how can I move ahead? I mean, Annabelle Wallace was going to be a Tom Cruise girlfriend. So it's just like, so anything that Annabelle Wallace can do, and she's always looking for the next edge. And Sebastian Stan is just a guy who's out for himself. And I think Annabelle, what I've heard is that she's already looking for something else, which would lead me to believe that it is just PR because Sebastian kind of needed that a little bit and to have something more stable, I guess. But yeah, it's, it's a, it's a PR thing. Okay. Um, this person says, why lie about the quote depressed singers X who's three times her age cheating Billy and Jesse. I guess they think that you lied about Jesse cheating on Billy Eilish. Oh no, he cheated on her. Okay. You're not yeah. a fucking liar. Why why do you think why do you think they're not together anymore? <laughs> okay. I'm just, I, you know, <laughs> I just I'm just trying to like get she, get it all put it all out there. Okay. They she was I like never crazy I didn't hear for that. Him. She was like crazy for him. Fifty high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she is returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Ferris, what do you think one of the biggest health challenges? Oh, for sure. Weight management. Exactly. Yo-yo dieting, losing weight, putting it back on. Trying the latest fad, it not working. Exactly. Feeling like a failure. Feeling like a failure is the worst feeling when it comes to weight loss. And then getting discouraged. What if I told you I knew of something that could help with this? I would 100% want to know. The Roe Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. That's amazing. And I love how it's over a year. That's so important for sustainability. Exactly. The slow weight loss. The slow burn. (laughs) Over 200,000 people have already chosen Roe to help them lose weight. Roe Body Program members have support throughout the process. Roe's partner handles all of the insurance paperwork to help get medication covered. If eligible for medication, patients have access to their provider on demand for any questions. You can sign up online from the comfort of your own home. This means no scheduling a doctor's appointment, no commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting room. That sounds amazing, especially for parents not having to 
yeah leave home or people that work yeah having to get that appointment how convenient average weight loss is 15 to 20 percent in one year like i said with healthy lifestyle changes it's important to note that you do have to pair both um bmi and other eligibility criteria apply go to row.co slash do Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash D-E-U-X. A couple people wanted to know what you've heard about Harry and Meghan, the rumors of their separation. Okay. Do we want the long version or the short version? Medium version. Okay. So we already know, going back in time, that Megan went to England a long time ago, had a, um, sat down with a reporter and slash publicist and said, hey, do you know any rich British guys? And she was really interested in Ashley Cole. And this person kind of turned her off to that and said, Ashley Cole is not really the way you want to go. But we had this kind of thing. So she was looking for somebody rich and British. So she gets Harry. Boom, boom, boom. Everything's great. We're in love. And I think that they desperately were in love. And, okay, here's what we're going to do. You know, we're going to go to Africa and all this kind of stuff. Ah, I don't really want to do that. Why don't we go to Vancouver? Okay, let's do that. Let's move to L.A. Let's get closer. Let's go to Montecito. So we have that. And so everything's kind of going along. And at, be- at the beginning, everything's great because everybody's interested in this brand. Everybody's just throwing money at them. Um, it's, you know, they come here right before the pandemic and stuff and, you know, podcasts and everything are booming. So let's just throw money. Netflix has got money out the butt. Let's throw some money at them. Everything's great. And they get some things into production. And the next thing you know, that's going okay. And then Harry, it starts kind of falling apart, I think, about the time that Spare comes out. And Spare does really well. I mean, really, really well. But it's about Harry. That's for for the most part, it's his stories. He's talking about his mom. He's talking about life. It's about him. And you'll notice like after a couple of weeks of despair, just being in the headlines and headlines, if you go back and you look at like us weekly and people magazine a couple of weeks after it, you get inundated. Just go back and look. It's just um, Megan's favorite mascara, Megan's favorite outfit Mm. that sold out. Megan's Mm -hmm. this, Megan's this, Megan's this. And there's literally like 10 of them in a week. And I'm just, my God, the publicity on that. And it it feels like she was a little bit jealous of the fact that he was getting all the attention. Then let's figure out about the Spotify thing, right? So Megan's trying to do the Spotify thing. They don't do anything really together. She busts out, you know, however many episodes she ended up doing, but there's no real kind of theme to it or anything like that. And one of my, one of my friends, Bill Simmons, who started The Ringer and he sold the the ringer to Spotify for the most part, but as part of that deal, he's like third or fourth in charge at Spotify. And he and I are always talking and he tells the story that he said publicly and he told me some things privately, but publicly he goes, Spotify was like, talk to Harry, give him some kind of podcast ideas because we need something. We're not getting anything from him. Come up with some ideas. And then I'm thinking to myself, look, Harry's a veteran. He can have, you know, veterans from England and veterans from the U.S. and they can talk about stuff. They can talk about experiences. Harry was in Afghanistan. It's kind of like the guy in TikTok who was in prison and he brings all those prisoners. It's fascinating kind of stuff. And Harry could do that. But I think it got to the point where it was like, Harry's kind of lazy. He doesn't really want to do anything. He's never really had a job other than being in the military for a little while. He hasn't really ever had to lift a finger or do anything. 
And I think that Megan, for whatever you want to say about her, she's a hustler. And you have to be if you're on suits and trying to make a living and, you know, doing the TIG, just whatever you can to, to make money. So you have that kind of situation going on. And then you realize, okay, there's not a lot to this brand, really, other than trashing the royal family. So then you have Meghan and Harry get signed by William Morris Endeavor. And everything that we've heard is like, this deal's going to be with Meghan. This deal's going to be with Meghan. This deal's going to be with Meghan. We don't hear Harry mention. And then Harry went back to England a couple of times, other than just the coronation, for like the lawsuits and stuff. And he didn't really need to be there. And nobody expected him to be there. But then he's there kind of on his own. He's going to be filming this Africa documentary all by himself in Africa. Um, they have the hotel room that he has in Montecito that he goes and stays at sometimes. Okay, I understand the L.A. ones because it's the two-hour hike to Montecito. Um, so maybe you need to stay there overnight. But the Montecito one where you're staying away, that kind of doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And you also have, okay, this Invictus Games, which is going to be a good series. And he's going to be promoting that all by himself. So it feels like it's two different kind of, you know, people living their own separate lives. Mm -hmm. And I think that you're going to see more and more of Megan doing her thing. Will there be a divorce? I mean, if you'd asked me a year ago, I'd say no. But if you ask me now, I'd say maybe because it just feels like she wants certain things and she seizes, she goes, I've got this all in my hand. I've got the biggest agency in the entire world finding me projects and stuff. I don't really need Harry because the, what I needed him for was, you know, this entry, this cachet kind of thing, but really there's nothing for us to promote together. Everything that we've offered up is just like, um, you know, like the Netflix kids thing. And they were like, well, nobody knows who Meghan Markle is. So I think that with, you're going to see her with the TIG and coming back and you're going to see all this kind of stuff. And she is going to just try and maybe take the mantle of Gwyneth Paltrow um, in that kind of situation, but also try and come up with their own things. If you look at the people that she's hired recently, she's hired like scripted development people, not non-scripted development people. She's hiring scripted development people. She is pitching scripts. She pitched like a version basically of Emily in Paris. And except for like a guy or something like that. And I think that that's what she's doing is she's pitching. She wants to be, you know, a showrunner creator kind of thing. And she's got this opportunity, but it's a very limited window. And I think Harry's getting her in her way. Let me bring up something that might seem simplest. Sim, sorry, let me start over. Let me bring up something that might seem simplistic. But what about love? Don't you think they love each other? I think that they. Or is it I a business? I think that they loved each other. I think that they probably still do. But here's the thing. They really, okay. When you're in a long distance relationship and that's what they were, right? It was a long distance relationship where they didn't see each other all the time. And when you're in a long distance relationship and you get like three or four days together, it's like three or four days of fun, right? It's not anything other than that. And you do this for a while. And then the next thing you know, you're engaged and you're getting married and stuff without ever having actually lived together or anything like that. And you, you kind of, okay, well, the next thing you know, she's pregnant and, and it just kind of builds on it. And then at some point, a few years into it, you go, Hmm, you know what? Uh, it's not really like when we were just dating because it wasn't dating in the normal traditional sense where you're like, you know, seeing each other all the time, good days, bad days. It's just like four day mini vacations when you would see each other. And I think that perhaps some of that has faded. 
I would think that would make a relationship last longer, you know, because of the distance and seeing each other in those short periods of time, make it more special. I don't know. I'm not. Absolutely. Absolutely. But what happens is you don't actually, let's say they had done that and they said, you know what, we should live together for like six months, but that wasn't a possibility. Right. You know, let's, let's live together. Let's see how it goes. Let's, you know, and, and Harry seems very scattered about what he wants to do in life because he had a plan for what he was supposed to do in life. And it was very, here's what you're going to do. You know, you're going to have these honorary titles and stuff. You're going to do this. You know, you were in the military. Now you're not. What are you going to do with your life? And it was fine when you're a royal and a royal without really any huge responsibilities other than the charities you're associated with. But now you're sitting at home all day. And what are you doing? You know, we obviously know that you don't want to do a podcast. He did one episode with Dak Shepard. Did absolutely nothing. Um, what about your Netflix thing? Well, he did the Invictus thing, which I said is going to be good, but nothing else. And the Netflix deal is not going to be renewed um, unless they come up with something big. And that's what William Morris Endeavor is doing. They're like, okay, here, Megan, pitch this, pitch this, pitch this. But Harry's not a part of that. Harry's not pitching some Emily in Paris, like spinoff or knockoff. Right. Okay. So from what I'm gathering, you think it's a strong possibility that a separation of some sort could be in the future i think honestly that yeah i mean i do and and when you see things like what happened in new york you can see that they're on two totally different pages i don't know whose idea it was to try and get the discount on the hotel or get a free room and then say okay well we'll just go stay at this person's house for free i don't know whose idea that was but it doesn't sound like something I don't know. I feel like Harry would just say, let's just pay the $5,000 for the room or the $10,000 or whatever. I I don't know who was at fault for that situation. I don't know who was like, well, we'll drive around and stuff like that. This could have just, if you hadn't been so cheap and just bought the the hotel room and not asked for some huge discount, you would have taken the SUV over to the hotel, got out, got your picture taken in the 10 feet from the door to the, to the hotel and it would have all been over instead of, you know, driving around and trying to hide where you were staying and all this kind of stuff. And it's, I don't know, there's some bad decision-making. Um, okay. Well, let's put a pin in that. That's like TBD. We don't know what's going to happen, but I've, I've heard the rumors and they've been getting stronger and everyone's like, well, who's sending you these? Like, you know, sunshine PR or whatever, whoever the hell they, you know, accuse of planning rumors or, and no, I'm not posting messages from people that I don't think, you know, have some sort of viable information regarding this topic. And I actually haven't been posting it to my main feed. I've been posting it to my subscriber feed because I just don't want to hear, you know, the backlash from all the royal family. No, not the royal (laughs) family. The royal family coming for you. No, not the royal family. The fans, they're worse. But it's things like this. You don't need to have look. There are sometimes when I'll get some, there was nothing back in the day before Megan that I would ever get anything about the Royal family. Really? It's, it's, I mean, you just don't, there's no, what kind of source do I have in the Royal family or anything like that? But when, but when you start bringing in Megan and, and her, her friends or old friends and people would talk to just a little bit, but here's what you can do, like reading between the lines. And this is something that happens and maybe it's because I'm a lawyer, whatever. Maybe it's because I've seen so many BS PR statements. Maybe it's because I'm so used to seeing words that actually don't mean what it looks like they say, but take Omid Scobie, for example, right? The guy who's like their, 
mouthpiece or whatever. Oh, uh-huh, and yeah. He'll, and he'll say things like, I don't have Harry's phone number. I don't have Harry's email. And you go, okay, well, he is being a neutral person. But what, what didn't he say in that sentence? He didn't say, I don't have Megan's phone number. I don't have Megan's email. Right. So you make this statement where it's like, of course I'm not doing, I don't have Harry's phone number. I don't have Harry's email. And you go, well, here you go. But he's, but you're, what isn't he saying? And then that's what you have to look at in any kind of situations. Like if you look at, you know, like we go back, go back to it's early days or whatever. Okay. You know, somebody, they saw somebody, they ran into each other, whatever. And somebody can go, well, let's make a story out of that because it's a slow day. Um, but yeah, so you just need to kind of take a look at what people are saying and, and what they're not saying and just look at, okay, well, why is Megan signed with William Morris Endeavor? Why is she only hiring scripted supervisor kind of people, scripted development kind of thing? Harry's not involved in any of that. He doesn't care about that. He likes to, he wants maybe to do documentaries. So he doesn't care about that. And that's not the people that they're hiring. So it shows that Megan's making all of those decisions. Right. Time yes. will tell. Um, okay. Next question is someone wants to know if you know who Michael B. Jordan is dating or if he's seeing anyone because we haven't heard him linked to anyone. I haven't heard Lori like who Harvey. he's dating since the whole Lori Harvey thing. So same. Um, okay. Someone wants to know NT always says Justin cheats on Haley. Please have him elaborate. You know, I don't think I've said it in a while. Okay. I'm the re okay. I don't talk about her, but I was curious because I know you don't I, talk about her, but I've never heard um, you say that and nobody has asked me about that. So I was curious to hear what you had to say. I haven't said it in a while. I think that because the basis of the relationship way back, okay, way, way back before they got married or anything like that, the basis of the relationship and, and Haley, you know, okay, look at her dad. Stephen Baldwin doesn't have any money. Okay. The guy, you know, they almost lost their house and stuff. You know, he's, he's a guy who struggled along, always borrowing from Alec, things like that. So Haley, you know, she wants to, oh, I want to have a makeup line. I want to do this kind of thing. And so what would happen is that she would, you know, hook up with Justin or Justin would be in between relationships or whatever. And I remember one time, I think he was in Australia and she, he flew her out there or whatever. And it was a week and, you know, he spent like a hundred grand on her or something like that. And, you know, it was, so it was that kind of relationship at the beginning and he didn't feel bad. And I'll go back to Selena. And if you guys remember back in the day, I got tired of writing blinds because he'd be with Selena one day or one week and the next week he'd be with somebody else. And he, it was just this kind of cheating kind of thing. And I think he had that same mentality with Haley at the beginning that doesn't really exist now. Um, and I think that Haley was somebody who was willing to put up with it because she had put up with it at the beginning before they got married and stuff. It was kind of the way that their relationship was established. And I think it's completely different than that now. I do think that they have a very unique relationship. I think that it's stronger than um, some people think. I think that she doesn't really care so much about the Selena stuff as much as she used to. I think it really affected her before. I don't think it affects her as much. I think when you see Justin really struggling and I call to mind, like, I think it was at Coachella or whatever, you could tell that Justin was like really not with it. Um, maybe mentally, whatever he was going through. And you could see Haley like actually comforting him when, you know, they didn't think anybody was looking or whatever. And you could tell, okay, look, I care about this guy. At the same time, I think that Haley's like, okay, I can finally step out. I can finally do my own thing. And I think that you're seeing Haley go out on her own a lot more than she ever used to. She'll go to New York on her own. She'll go to London on her own. She'll do these kind of things on her own to try and, 
you know, step out of this Justin Bieber shadow. And I, I think it's a much more solid relationship, unlike with the Harry and Meghan, where Meghan's just like, fine, Harry, you stay home, whatever the hell. I think it's more of a partnership. And I think that Haley really does care about Justin. And I really think that she's moved well beyond the Selena thing. Yes, I don't hear a lot about them, but um, I do agree that their relationship seems very solid. Somebody who was at the white party um, at Michael Rubin's, one of their observations was that they seemed like more in love than ever at the party and were like dancing and being really cute. So any rumors that you guys try to make up on Twitter or Tumblr um, about their relationship, I think is just that it's just like fans making up fake shit, to be honest. Yeah, I don't think they're going to split. And I think that maybe everybody kind of thought that at the beginning because there's no prenup. Right. Right. And I just and I think that Haley's been really good for him because of the fact that I think that Scooter puts an inordinate amount of pressure on Justin. And I think that because Justin just refuses to tour. And if you think about when he basically just kind of broke down in Brazil, you know, Haley went down there and was there for him. And because Scooter's just like, you got to go on tour, you got to go on tour because I got to make money off you. I got to make money off of you because managers, that's how they make money. And so then I think it was Scooter who basically kind of pushed through the whole selling of the catalog thing just so he could make some money off of Justin. And I think that Haley has, has been there for him. And when he's been dealing with that, I think also that Justin's been going through some things that happened maybe at the early stages of his career and stuff and kind of going through some therapy about that. And I think Haley's been there for him for that. And I think that they've kind of worked through some of these like Hillsong problems that there were uh, and that whole thing and breaking away from that. So I think that Haley has actually been really, really good for him. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that, actually. I like to hear that, too. Yeah. I like them together. And I am much more of a Haley fan than a Selena fan. Oh, what? Good to know. <laughs> yeah, I did not know that. Um, okay, somebody wants to know, was one of your regular sources years ago, and I don't. I know you, I just think this is an interesting question. You don't have to answer it. Eliza Dushku. Oh. Um, Why do they mm, think that? I mean, I don't like to say exactly who people, you know, but you got to realize that maybe Eliza had some friends or something like that. I know, so. but why, why did, like, did you write a lot about her or like, uh, write a lot about, was she on Buffy? Like, what? I think people that she was with and hanging out with and stuff like that. Like, things that maybe she would only know. So this must, this person must be like an OG Crazy Days and Nights fan to ask this question is my, is my question to you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, okay. And, and over time, you know, things change, people change, people move on. They have, you know, there's a lot of people that were giving me stuff at the beginning that aren't around anymore and people that have been there the entire time. Um, so it just depends. Um, okay. Let's wrap up with this because, again, I'm curious to hear what you have to say. Um, does he know if Renee Rapp's departure from Sex Lives of College Girls is as amicable as they say? That's one I've been trying to dig into. Um, I don't think that it is. I just, I don't really understand why she's leaving it. And well, her music, isn't it? Because she wants to, I mean, like, that's like, seems like the most logical I guess, answer. I guess. I mean, she's going on tour in the winter, right? Or something like that. I guess. I just think that all actresses want to be singers and all singers want to be actresses. I just, I feel like she wanted to be in it and then she's not. Maybe she hates Mindy Kaling. I don't know. Right. I mean, she is such an integral part of it. I can't imagine. Such a great I character. don't understand yeah. why she would leave. I just, it doesn't make any sense to me. 
And uh, I've been trying to dig into that one because I, I doesn't make any sense at all. Do you know the lawyer that she hired? Um, yeah, but I, but do I know like, I mean, I know most of everybody that's hired. It doesn't mean like I'm best friends with them. Right, 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 right. Okay. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I was getting at. Like, could you like not that you would share it? I'm assuming that there's certain things that people tell you that you don't even write blinds about, but you're well, just tons curious of stuff, about tons yeah. of stuff that I don't don't write blinds about. Like, I mean, uh, look, um, one of my go tos is I don't write anything that happens at AA meetings or anything, right. and mm-hmm. you know, I could I could write like 35 books from the stuff that I've you know heard about AA meetings and. And it's not to say that if I don't, I just, I don't know, like to say anything like that happens. And even like, if I hear it like later on from something else that I think it didn't come from a meeting, I just like, nah, I'm just going to leave that one alone. Yeah. One time somebody submitted a blind about um, an Eaters Anonymous meeting and I posted it um, and people got so pissed. I mean, all addictions should be treated equally. I guess it was my fault that I didn't consider it the same. Um, also the way it was written, like it was something that happened a long time ago and, you know, it was a bad judgment call on my part to even post it. But yeah, I hear you about the AA stuff and rehab too. I've gotten stories about people. Here's my, here's my stuff about rehab is this, is that if somebody, if I know that somebody's, you know, was checked into rehab and then they left after an hour or something like that, then I'm like, okay, I'm going to say something. But and, you know, I can't, I mean, Lindsay Lohan, when she was going in and out of rehab all the time, and some of the stories that were happening there where she was having sex with guys in bathrooms and stuff and, and leaving to go party and stuff like that, to me, that's fair game. Um, but it, let's say she was in a, in a meeting at rehab and she says, look, you know, this happened to me when I, I'm not going to talk about that. Right. Um, well, it's been a pleasure as always. I miss talking to you. I haven't talked to you in a long time. So thank you for I coming know. on. I know you got to come on the thing at the end of the month. I know I keep forgetting. Oh, you guys. So Enti has this Zoom meeting um, with his Patreon followers. And it's like really intimate, really private. You you can keep your camera off. He goes around in a circle and you can ask him questions like just like I'm asking him now. And he answers them very candidly. So I urge anyone who wants FaceTime, quote unquote, with Enti. To and join, they're, and they're different kind of things. It's not just like celebrity stuff. I mean, no. And I've said it, this before: the questions that the people in those zooms ask blow me the fuck away. Like I'm like, I know shit. First of all, I love when they ask you about stuff that's happened a long time ago. You know, like old rumors yeah. and old gossip. And they ask a lot of those kind of questions. They ask about more obscure pop culture things like it's not about Justin Bieber and like Selena and you know Harry it's not that and every time I'm in those are the questions I'm asking and I feel like I'm such a fucking idiot like it's literally like the Mensa of pop culture and I'm just like um have you heard who Harry Styles is dating (laughs) and they're probably like eye roll behind their zooms but yeah well I'm always happy to have you there I'm always happy to call you my friend and you know, and do and I, you know, every once in a while we will talk. And there was a phone call that we had not it was a couple months ago now, though, where like, if you think do like goes off and like cusses and swears on this, you should hear her oh on an actual God, phone I call. Can't. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe he just out 
wanted me. I mean, listen, whatever. I am who I am. What can I say? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I, I do. I curse a lot. And I do. I, I am like, there's a lot of days in the week that I'm in a constant state of aggravation. <laughs> it's true. I can attest to that. <laughs> I know. God. It's a little frightening. It is. But whatever. Like, this is a tough business. This is a tough business. It is. It is. It and you is. do it very well. Well, so right back at you, OG, the Beethoven of blind <laughs> <laughs> So good. It's so good. Oh, all right. <laughs> Thanks, guys. See you next time. This has been a production of Cadence 13, an Odyssey studio. New episodes of Do You will air every Thursday. See you next week.